today what I plan to do is the first we will do a little bit of the text and then our question answers and then a little bit of review of what we did of emptiness because I see some of you know uh, you not there for the first teaching so this means that without the first uh, review review on some kind of understanding on the surface level of what is taught there by Lama Tsongkhapa then what you know what I'm planning to do for tomorrow it very likely won't make much sense and also it would be so challenging for you you know so to make sure that you get some sense tomorrow I like to do a little bit of review and then uh, we have now on page 158 right I think we are done with 157. A mind, sorry? Yeah. Uh, let's read mind. Uh, so basically, we are trying to explain the nature of this Ali Vigyan, the basis of all consciousness. You know? So, this Ali Vigyan, the basis of all consciousness, accepted by, uh, proposed by uh, the scripture follower Chitta Mantra, they say, first of all, it is um, in terms of its object. I would rather say instead of here on page 156 it says the followers of, the followers of scripture assert that a mind basis of all observes instead of observes I would say the followers of scripture assert that a mind basis of all you know for that instead of observe I would say the five senses the five objects and the internal latencies appear so appear uh, this is you know uh, the better better because observe has the connotation of the function from the subject side, mm -hmm. you know, observing. So whereas appearing is the, the object's function in relation to the object, you know, the object appearing to the mind. So here, even if the object appears to your mind, you may not necessarily, you know, assent to it. Whereas when you observe it, then you, there's likelihood of assenting to what you're observing, right? So whereas here, uh, the, the base of mind, uh, the base of all consciousness, the mind basis, basis of all. So this is a very dull and you know, uh, not at all alert mind. It's very passive, like a vast ocean, you know. So the kind of objects that appear to this this mind, there are only three: the senses, and then what else? The five objects, you know and the imprints or the latencies on just these three and these three also not belonging to someone else but one's own senses one's own objects the five objects what are they the form yeah the touch the sound smell and, and tactility and the taste right so of one's own and not someone else's and then the imprints of one's, of one's own and not others right so other than these, no, nothing at all is being uh, perceived. Nothing, is so, not, nothing at all appears to this mind. Say, you know, analyzing into emptiness, nothing. None of these things really appear to this Alevijan. And then uh, yesterday also, uh, this, uh, we read 157, which says, A mind basis of all has the aspect of not, disc not discriminating its object. You know, it's like a very passive, autistic person, you know? 
and not actually being able to say, oh, this is good, this is bad, now look, there's wind coming over there, you know, and someone knocking at the door, not like that, very passive, you know, without a sense of sharpness, so there's no discrimination happening, right, and then, um, it does not, it does not notice its objects, and cannot induce another consciousness to notice objects. And its entity is undefiled and neutral. And in terms of its nature, whether it's positive or negative or neutral, it is neutral. It is not positive, it is not negative. It is undefiled. Undefiled should not be, you know, uh, understood in terms of purity, but it is undefiled in the sense of, you know, not being tainted. By, uh, by obvious afflictions and so forth. It is neutral. In short, it is neutral. And the reason why they say it is neutral is that, say, um, you know, uh, because this is the one which contains all the imprints, the positive imprints, negative imprints, neutral imprints, all these imprints. Whereas if you are positive, you know, how can you carry the negative imprints? And whereas if you are a negative, how can you carry the, the positive imprints? So, therefore, since that, this is the basis, this is the, this is the container. The Alevigyan is the container for all imprints. It must be neutral in nature. Um, it is a constant main mind. It is a constant, meaning it always abides, always abides. And then when does it cease? Even at the time of death, it abides. So, uh, there are two ways of saying, but in the loose sense we can say um, it abides, it abides, uh, it abides until one achieves. In terms of the, uh, the lower vehicle practitioners, it abides until one achieves the non-residual nirvana. And in terms of the Mahayana practitioners, it abides until one achieves the eighth Bodhisattva ground. Right? So it simply unceasingly abides you know, until then. For the, the Buddhist, uh, for the Mahayana practitioners, it abides until what? Eight Bodhisattva ground, ground level. And as for the Hinayana practitioners, it abides until what? Non-abiding. Not non-abiding, non-residual. Exactly, yeah. The Nirvana without remainder or a non-residual a nirvana, not non-abiding. Non-abiding is very high, it's Buddha. Okay. So this continues, you know. Okay. And it says, it is a constant. Constant has this connotation. It always abides. Whereas, look, you know, what happens when the, um, when the wind subsides? What happens to the waves of the ocean? They simply go back. They simply go back into the ocean, you know. Likewise, when the wind of the karma ceases, which means, when does the wind of karma ceases in our case? Good. When we die, you know. When we die, the karma which propelled us as a living human being, you know, that gets exhausted. As it gets, you know, exhausted, then the the wind which disturbs our alivigyan, it subsides for a while. When it subsides, then all these ways of the different consciousnesses, you know, 
eye consciousness, the ear consciousness, the five sense consciousnesses, the mental consciousness, all simply dissolve back into Ali Vijan. And Ali Vijan alone is left. Right? So see, all the other advantages, all the other mental states, like the sense consciousnesses and the mental consciousness, they are all advantages. They are all temporary. You know? Simply because of the wind of the karma, when it stirs its alivijan, then the surface of the alivijan simply gets stirred and then forms what? Waves of consciousnesses, various consciousnesses. And these consciousnesses, they don't remain like that forever. They again go, you know, they again go back into the main source, alivijan. When? At the time of death. Wife, for what reason? The, uh, car- when the, the wind of the karma you know, exhausts or it subsides. And what will happen? Will it stop ever like that? No. What will happen? A new wind of karma will again blow. We don't know which wind, new wind. Whether the new wind of karma propelling into hell realm, hungry ghost realm, human realm, or celestial divine being realm, we don't, we don't know. So we make sure that the next karma the wind of the karma is the karma that propels us or that stirs the wave into the wave of what? The human beings, the consciousness of human beings, the consciousness of divine beings rather than hell, hell realm beings. Okay, constant main mind. Uh, the mind which we all know, it consists of what? It consists of uh, the primary mind and the secondary minds, or the mind and the mental factors. So look, so basically the mind is divided into two, right? So one which is known as the main mind. So sometimes there are different uh, alternatives or translations. Main mind, primary mind, what else? Conscious, some people translate it as consciousness, right? Okay, and sometimes even just mind. Mind, main mind, primary mind, consciousness. You know, this is the, the first class of the, the mind. And the second class of the mind is translated as the secondary mind, mental factors, and then what else? I think that's it, too. Sometimes they have the word concomitant. Oh, concomitant, okay, yeah. For, for the time being, say, uh, mental factors, secondary minds, and if you like to add more, if we are more you know, keen on more numbers, then we say concomitant minds. Okay. Okay, so uh, I would simply like, okay, how many different kinds of any idea, how many different kinds of mental factors are there? So if you like to group, you know, there are millions and trillions of mental factors. But then, you know, as we now we are quite familiar as to how to group, you know, things into more simple numbers. Uh, into how many groups of metal factors can you, you know, uh, classify all of them, millions of... The one that we most heard is the 51 mental factors. Good. 51 mental factors. 51 mental factors. Right. So of them, there is among the 51 mental factors, again we classify them into you know small 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 groups, and one of the groups is one is known as the omnipresent or ever present mental factors. Ever present mental factors. This consists of five mental factors. 
Or what are they? Anyone? Good. Uh, feeling good. Good. So what's the is feeling. Simba is attention. Rekpa is contact. So what's the is attention or intention. And then uh, the is discrimination. Not to share, discrimination, yeah. Feeling, uh, attention, contact, so what's the Is intention, not exactly intention, people translate it as intention. So Sumba, reflection. So for the time being, say intention. Uh, and then finally, discrimination, five. Okay, so out of the five, 51 different mental factors, for all these Vigyan being the primary mind, it has, you know, four, uh, five, uh, only these five accompanying mental factors, not more. Only five. Say, you know, say, um, they're, they're one of the very important mental factors that we need to cultivate is wisdom, the mental factor of wisdom. And since that it is having only these five, it is not having this element of wisdom. So therefore it is always passive. Right? Oh, good. Uh-huh. Oh, that's good, yeah. So there, here it is translated as mental engagement. This is quite good, yeah. Mental yeah, feeling, discrimination, intention. I would suggest you to, you know, uh, you to make a copy of this for all of you. This is very well done. Thank you, Venerable Chugi. Okay, so... Um, out of you know the 50, 51 mental factors, this alivigyan is accompanied, you know, only by the five mental factors, five omnipresent mental factors, right? Five omnipresent mental factors, and why not less than five? Because these five are present in every. Exactly, because these five are known as omnipresent, which means that. Whatever primary mind it is, it must be accompanied by these five. Okay, we have here feeling, discrimination, intention, contact, mental engagement. So uh, I said attention, Simba, attention, intention. I would say in, instead of intention, I would go for attention for time being. Attention, A-T-T-E-N-T-I-O-N, attention, instead of intention. Intention, I won't say intention, intention is a little bit, you know, more profound than this, the word that we are looking for. So mental engagement and attention is not... Okay, uh, let me count. Feeling, yeah. discrimination, then instead of intention, I will have attention, attention, right, three. Contact, 
and mental engagement. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Instead of int- intention, you know, let's go for attention. Yeah. Yes, Alec. Ah. Is there another reason why you only say the five on these recognized factors of company the well, young because it's uh, the the primary mind is neutral? Yes. Does it have any does it have a positive or wholesome or unwholesome accompanying mental factors? Oh yeah. Absolutely, yeah. True, very good. Yes, Dallas. I see. Okay. So look, more and more hands are coming up. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And is the, the mental engagement synonym for intention or synonym for attention? No. I have mental engagement is separate. Yeah. We, we were confused between intention and attention. Okay. So instead of intention, let's go for attention. Good. Very good question. Why discrimination and passive? These two are contradictory. So how can a passive mind have you know discrimination? Very good. Anyone who can help me? Discrimination in this context simply means able to discern the shapes and so forth. It doesn't have any. Can it discern anything? The Ali I don't think it can discern anything. No, not at all. The main line and the mental factors are the same thing. Yes, but how does it answer? The main line is neutral because... But don't imagine the king and the ministers, you know? The king is dull and the ministers, they are so active. Don't think like that. They are so like, you know, you and your mind. You and your mind. You know? The sharpness of you is determined by how sharp your mind is. You know, so it's like that. Don't think of the king and the ministers. I know how intelligent you are, I know how sharp you are, but I don't think this is the right thing that she's looking for. Okay, so let me put it this way. Say someone is 99% you know, inactive. So what is the degree of his activeness? <laughs> yeah, there's still a degree, one degree of inactiveness. So this Alevigan, it is not 100% you know, inactive, 99% inactive. Right. So when someone is 99% inactive, would you call him? A, oh, he has degree of activeness. Would you call, would you say that? No. Oh, totally inactive. So Ali Vijan is like that. 99% inactive. So there's one there's one degree of you know, discrimination. Uh-uh. 
upon the aggregation of an object sense power consciousness, the uncommon sign of the object, it's almost like it's objectively reading what's coming to it. Very good. Yeah, very good. The discernment, the object that arises has the has the the flavor. It's just apprehending what the object is bringing to itself without. So it's almost like an objective observer. Observer. It's not. I see. You're supporting me, or you're supporting Dallas. I'm trying to clarify. (laughs) I see. (laughs) So clarifying in favor of whom? (laughs) I would say in favor of you. Okay, good then. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, we go further. Uh, then it says, uh, it is a constant main mind associated only with the five omnipresent mental factors. Moreover, from among the two possibilities of being defiled or not defiled, it is non defiled and neutral. Uh, a mind is, while it is not defiled, if it is defiled, it cannot contain the imprints of undefiled, you know, undefiled imprints. And interestingly, uh, who was that yesterday who asked me about the Buddha nature in Chittamatra? I think Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yes. So according to Chittamatras, but uh, yes, according to Chittamatra, over uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the all Chittamatras. From their point of view, Buddha nature is not to be understood in the context of ultimate reality emptiness. It is to be understood in the context of uh, the imprint of this very, really very interesting imprint, latency, you know, a latency of undefiled, uh, sorry, okay, undefiled, uh, let's better put it this way, imprint of the uncontaminated or undefiled uncontaminated primordial wisdom imprint imprint of uncontaminated uncontaminated primordial wisdom look right so they say that this is the Buddha nature interestingly last time what it does say uh, the latencies you know when I see a computer it is because of the latency, the imprint, you know, imprint which gives rise to seeing this, uh, they, which gives rise to the mind seeing a computer, right? Which means that I gave you the, I implied as though like, in order to have a mind perceiving a computer now, you must have seen a computer earlier times, one of the, you know, in one of the former times. Because without that, how can you lay, you know, how can you, have an imprint laid in your mind, you know? So without that imprint, how can you have the, the mind perceiving computer now, mm-hmm. right? So this is the implication that I have, uh, yeah, that I've given to you last time, um, implying that for any imprint, it must be laid by a very fresh mind, which preceded the imprint, right? This is what I implied last time. And now the, this is the question. So this is the exception in Chittamatra. The imprint of the uncontaminated primordial wisdom. This is the imprint which is not laid in your mind by a fresh mind. It has been existing as imprint since beginningless time. And now look, when this imprint is, if you are able to activate this imprint, you know, which existed in each one of us, since beginningless time, 
then you will become purer and purer in your being and then finally when you are able to activate it to the fullest form you become Buddha this is the uncontaminated imprint of the uncontaminated primordial wisdom uncontaminated right so this is the only exception otherwise all other imprints should necessarily be laid by a fresh mind which preceded the imprint okay uh, um, then we read so you know when I was about to read it I saw our Prasangika's hands like this you know again I was afraid you <laughs> should come with a question <laughs> okay so please be kind to me uh, 159 a mind basis of all is not virtuous because it exists in the continuum of one whose rules of virtue are seven. This is another issue. Say, uh, you know, uh, say, do you expect? Can you expect um, this table making a wonderful music? You bang it and a wonderful music coming out of that? No, why not? Because it has no potential. Right? And similarly, it's not, uh, there's actually a debate, but first let me, you know, put according to what is uh, the intention of the author of this text, or the intention of, of, of this text. I say, do you think this table ever becoming Buddha? No. So likewise, among the sentient beings, there are some who will never become Buddhas who will never become, you know, uh, who will never have any virtues arising. Very much like, you know, uh, very much like the concept of uh, hell forever, you know, something like that. So, uh, and these people are, you know, char characterized as the ones with the uh, virtues, root of virtues severed. You know, but, as I said, don't worry. I know some of you are not happy with this concept. <laughs> you know, so there's a debate, and Lama Tsongkhapa he said that this is, you know, actually according to Chitamatra, this is not the real case, but this is simply to imply that some people, because of the heaviness of the non-virtues, it becomes so difficult for them to arise virtues again simply to imply that, right? Not simply, not really uh, to mean it that way, that they have no basis, you know, the root of the virtues is cut altogether, it's not the case. Okay, so, um, now say, if there's someone, if there's someone who, whose root of virtue is cut or severed, still the person has what? Alivigyan. In his case, or her case, the Alivigyan is what? Positive? No, it's not, uh, it's not positive, you know. So therefore, what it is trying to explain here is that the, the very nature of the Alivigyan is not positive, nor defiled. Not positive because it is present in someone whose root of virtue is suffered. And it is not negative, let's see why. Uh, a mind basis of all is not virtuous because it exists in the continuum of one whose root of, 
continuum of someone whose rules of virtue are severed. It is also not non-virtuous because those of the upper realms have a mind basis of all. So, can anyone help me with you know how this reason uh, works here? In the second case, uh, it is not non-virtuous because those of the upper realms, the form and formless realms, the beings in the form and formless realms, they have mind of beings of all, and yet they have no non-virtuous minds. Can anyone help me? Quite is, the question is quite clear. How you know? Or how can you say that? Or how re, how do you really account um, account for the fact that the the beings in the form in the formless realms they have no non-virtuous minds? That's not Are you sure? Good. I don't know. I, I don't mean to say. I don't mean to say you are right. But what I why I said good is that you attempted. Anyone? Yes, so Dallas. If they have the mind basis of all and they have the container like mm-hmm. the people, the mm-hmm. container has all Yes. So why should you know so first of all the question is, uh, you know, the beings in the form and formless realms, if they have no non virtuous mental states, you know, if they have no non virtuous at all, then that's quite acceptable. Then we can say that Alivijan cannot be non-virtuous because the beings in the form and formless realms, you know, even they have Alivijan and yet they are free of non-virtuous states. So the question is, you know, how can you really explain that the beings, are you really sure that the beings in higher realms, they have no non-virtuous states, mental states? This is the question. Do they have afflictions? Not, not manifest, they don't, but they have... Do they have afflictions, is my question. Not yes. 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 No. They have subtle afflictions. Subtle afflictions. They... They're Good. They have afflictions. Do they have non-virtuous mental states? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do they have do they have afflictions, or they simply have the seeds of afflictions? From what you said, you know, it made me happy to come up with this issue back, <laughs> because your position is that they have afflictions, they have ignorance, all these things. Now, according to the what you teased apart. The, the something and its imprint or the seeds. Likewise, I want to you know re- relate that to afflictions. Do they have afflictions, or they seem to have the seeds of afflictions? Yes. <laughs> Do they have afflictions? Is the question. <laughs> yes. yes. Then what about the? Uh, is, isn't it just seeds or real afflictions? Real. Not just the seeds. Then what about the, virtu- un- uh, the non-virtuous? Same thing. So it's not, not just the seeds of uh, non-virtuous. Even the non-virtuous are there. Yeah. Oh, so then it says, what is the, how then the reason applies here? It says, it is also not, not non-virtuous because those of the upper realms have...
So how does this reason work? Okay, so I don't expect, you know, something so concrete coming uh, from you. I, you know, I don't blame on you. I simply want to make clarification here. So, look, the afflictions, when we speak about virtuous and unvirtuous, we speak of that in relation to a mental state. And particularly, you know, particularly, um, in, say, let, let us put it this way, uh, the positive and negative mental states, right? Positive and negative mental states. And um, afflictions, in which group do they belong? No, I said positive and negative. I didn't say ne virtuous, unvirtuous. Negative. Okay, they belong to negative uh, mental states, right? Okay, negative mental states, right. And then likewise, the karmas which are given rise to by, this, by these afflictions are referred to as negative mental states or negative karmas, right? Okay, so now, what is the opposite of the negative mental states and negative karmas? The positive mental states and positive karmas. Okay, so broadly speaking, we can equate, now look, we can equate the positive mental states, positive mental states and virtuous, you know, mental states, we can equate the two. We can equate the positive mental states and virtuous, virtuous mental states. Now look, from there you can get a clue. Good. So, whereas on the other side, we are not supposed to equate the two. We are not supposed to equate the negative mental states and the non-virtuous mental states. We are not to equate the two. The negative mental states can be further broken down into two. Non-virtuous and neutral, right? Even if, you don't, even if you don't agree, for the time being, please say yes for my sake. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and then we go ahead, and then you say oh, for your own sake, right? Okay, now look, uh, what did I say? Among the, among the negative mental states, what does this negative mental state encompass? Good. Or the afflictive mental states and negative karmas. Right? Okay. So, now look. The, if we take the afflictive mental states, just leave the karmas for the time being. Right? We'll do it later, uh, later on. Uh, afflictive mental states it, no doubt, all of the afflictive mental states can be classified in the negative mental states. And this further can be divided into two. What are they? Non-virtuous and neutral. Okay. Say, can you guess what would be, of course, you know, you will be so loudly answer. 
and so confident answer if I ask you among this the afflictive mental states which is non-virtuous you can come up with very you know obvious answers but my question is what would be the neutral states within this negative mental states good number one what more ignorance is one what more but not all. Fifty percent uh, correct. I don't mean to say fifty percent wrong. Fifty percent correct, but fifty percent still question. What else? All the afflictions of the higher realms. Yes, all afflictions of higher realms. Now the answer, you, you get the answer. All afflictions of high realms. Of course, if I ask you what next question, you'll come up with lots of questions. I don't want to say this. Yeah. You may ask me, the question would be, why the afflictions of high realms, you know, neutral? Oh, yeah, this is what I think you're coming up with. Okay. This is quite an important thing. You know, although it is a little bit of digression, but I like to do it. Say, if you experience an acute headache, you know, is this result of, is this result of non-virtuous karma or virtuous karma or neutral karma? What about neutral karma? No. Surely this should be a result of non-virtuous karma, right? Non-virtuous karma giving rise to what? Pains, evident pains, right? And the virtuous karma giving rise to? Happiness. So this is the rule. This is the law of karma, right? Then what about the neutral karmas? They give rise to what kind of result? Neutral results, right? Okay, this is uh, according to the rule um, of the law of karma. Look, say, right, say, if I simply ask you, hey, how are you doing? You know, in just a neutral state, you know, I'm not at all really interested in you, or I'm not something disliking you, you know, I'm interested, my mind is engrossed someone else, and, and I, I saw you on the way, hey, how are you doing? And my mind is away there, right? So, what is that action? Positive, negative, neutral. Neutral, right? Whereas, deep inside, I'm unhappy. And say, how are you doing? What is that? Negative. And deep inside, I really respect you. I have a sense of, you know, compassion and these things. Concern. Oh, how are you doing? Positive, right? Okay. So, this means that, uh, this means that all these negative mental states, and not negative, uh, non-virtuous mental states, right? We said that uh, experience of pains, experience of pain is given rise to by which mental state? Non-virtuous mental state, right? Non-virtuous mental state, not by the neutral minds, right? Okay. So, say the pain. Again, broadly speaking, in general, uh, uh, broadly speaking, you know, say 
What do you think is the cause? Just your own opinion. Give me your own opinion. I don't want, you know, accurate ones. I will not argue with you. Your own opinion. What would be the potential cause of, you know, a headache? Or severe, you know, severe bodily pain? Good. And hitting. Hitting with warm-heartedness? No. Yeah. So, look, when pain is, when you discuss the pains as a result, the cause is associated with harming others, with sense of ill will, you know, malicious thought. What's underlying that is that mind. So whereas in the high upper realms, in order for one to take birth in the high realms, form in the formless realm, that sense of, you know, malicious thought must be abandoned. Without abandoning that malicious thought, you know, you cannot take birth in higher realms. You cannot achieve the meditative states of the higher realms. Right? So, the basic, the basic qualification of the minds of the higher realms, they are freed of the malicious thoughts. Because of which, you know, because of which, any consequence that they experience because of their mental states would be either positive, virtuous, or neutral. So even if they have afflictions, the afflictions are so subtle, much subtler, you know, which is freed, you know, even the, the, even the afflictions in these realms, they are freed of malicious thoughts. So therefore, all the, all the afflictions and the, the, the karmas, you know, uh, the, the karmas accumulated because of these afflictions in the higher realms, they don't really give rise to painful experiences. So if the result is not painful, what should be the result? Either positive or neutral. So which means that the cause is not non-virtuous. So therefore, higher realms, they don't have non-virtuous mental states. Right? So, which means, good, very good question. Can anyone help me? They have <laughs> so, please don't, you know, take it so easily. Don't abuse them. Again, just as someone abused Chitamatra last time, Alec is trying to abuse, you know, this view. <laughs> okay, so actually, what happens? This is a good question. Uh, you know, what happens? Again, this is, uh, there is a debate, but again, to, you know, to give you the overall view, general, the broad view, is that what, made, what propelled them there? Karma. karma. Positive karma. And the positive karmas, they can get exhaust. They exhaust at one point. It's not eternal. So once the positive karma exhausts, and if the karma to, you know, if the karma to take birth in the lower realms is stronger than the karmas that to give rise to higher realms, then they will take birth in the lower realms. So they have abandoned the ill will in a manifest way that they must have some seeds of it still present. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, because of the exhaustion, of the virtuous karma that, that propelled 
them in high realms, you know, that come exhaust. And then the karma to take birth in the lower realms is stronger, then this karma will, you know, try to nurture the seed of the malicious thoughts and these things. You know? So because of which they will take birth in the lower realms, again their minds will become so deluded by these malicious thoughts underlying. Right? Okay. So this is one reason. And now back to the 50% correct answer. What is that? Ignorance. Ignorance. So, now look. We said that, you know, we said that all afflicted mental states of the higher realms, form and formless realm, to which of the three groups it fall into? Virtuous, non-virtuous, neutral. Neutral. Good. Then the question is then, what about all the afflictive emotions of the desire realm? Do they fall into neutral, non-virtuous, or virtuous? Yes. All afflicted emotions of desire realm, do they fall in which of the three uh, groups it fall into? They fall into? Are you sure? Yes. What about the ignorance of desire realm? This is 50% correct answer. <laughs> ignorance. Ignorance is of two kinds. Ignorance, okay, let me put it this way. Uh, say, interestingly, we try to work it this way. Say, you see, you see yourself, or you, you know, you perceive yourself as autonomous, as self-sufficient, substantial person, right? Or let's say, a better first pointed out uh, to something outside. Say, uh, there's a cup, you know, there's a cup, and you view it as. Oh, it is permanently existing. It's permanent. It's not breaking anymore. Actually, this this is what I did, you know, when I was very small. <laughs> when I was say maybe I was seven years old. So what happened was that I have this slipper, and the slipper was really worn out, and yet, uh, you know, somehow it's still workable. Well, it's worn out too much, but still, the what? The holders, you know, which holds it. What, what do you call it? <laughs> so whatever, you know. So that is still there intact. So which means that you can use it. So, being a very small kid, you know, I see others putting on new slippers, you know. So I also wanted to have a new slipper, but without finishing with this, I I couldn't get one. I couldn't get a new one. So. I was trying to deliberately, you know, <laughs> you know, break it. And then the foster mother, I was in actually, you know, in, a, in what do you call that? A home for 40 children like that, you know? A, not orphanage, it's a school. Yeah, but, uh, what? Boarding, 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 yeah, boarding. So I was deliberately trying to cut it. <laughs> And the foster mother saw that, and you know she gave me, provided me a new one. <laughs> she came to know that. I see. So similarly, look, you know what? This, you know, this cup. 
say, oh, it is so strong, it is permanent, you know. So, viewing this cup as a permanent, is, is, is it right or wrong? Mistaken, right? Mistaken. But look, viewing this as permanent, uh, will it lead to, you know, a virtuous thought or to a negative thought? Or to a uh, non-virtuous thought? So in what way? In what way virtuous? If it were somebody else's, you could be respecting their property. Uh, respecting your property. Oh look, I have a permanent cup. It's so nice. And I would make offering to the Buddha. You know? And so that way, I can have a lasting, I can make the, you know, uh, the uh, overlasting offering to the Buddhas. You know, so good, the best thing that I can have is so wonderful. So, this mistaken idea, this mistaken uh, concept, you know, can possibly, can also have the potential to give rise to a virtuous thought, you know, to give the, to make the best offering to the Buddhas. And then, Whereas it can, it also has the effect or to, to give rise to a negative, non-virtuous thought as well. Can you give me an example? Throwing Sorry? Throwing at it. Throwing at it. So even if it is impermanent, you know that it is impermanent, still you can throw it at someone. Oh, this is also one thing. And then say, look, you know, Without this, without this, uh, without this, uh, without this breaking, my mother won't provide me with a new one, and I, I dislike this shape, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's so permanent. I get so angry with it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I want to do away with it. And you know, thinking that it's permanent, I feel so sad. It is impossible that I can do away with this. You know, so anger coming out. So this is not virtuous. So what I want to say, what I would like to say here, what I'm trying to point to here, is that this basic ignorance, the ignorance which thinks, which misconceives the cup to be permanent, you know, it can, it can give rise to both the positive and the negative mental states. You know, it can go either way. So likewise, likewise, viewing oneself and viewing others as self-sufficient substantial nature, you know, very solid self-sufficient substantial nature, then when you see the person being so kind like that, then you, you know, you have a very solid object there to feel respectful. And then a sense of respect, a sense of faith, you know, arises in you. So this is positive. And whereas, you know, you dislike that person, and you see that person as so self-sufficient, substantial nature, so solid, independent, you know, so then you get, again, you get a very solid target to which you, feel, you should be feeling angry at. So it can also give rise to negative mental states. So, this mentality, this mindset, misconception, which views the self, you know, oneself and others, as existing self-sufficient substantial nature, so it has both the capabilities to give rise to negative states and uh, positive states. So, you know, uh, that misconception, the ignorance which misconceives the self to be self-sufficient substantial nature, you know, by, by in itself,
You know, so this is ignorance. And this is also what is known as the, um, the what? View, you know, view perceiving uh, the collection of the perishable aggregates. Perishable aggregates. The view perceiving. The view perceiving the perishable aggregates. Simply, you know, so this is just a technical term. So what it means is that misconception which views oneself and others to exist as self-sufficient substantial nature. Right? Okay. So, that is neutral. That is neutral. That is the basic ignorance, right? This is the subtlest of the ignorance uh, which binds us into samsara. Right? Okay. So, uh, this is neutral. And do we have that? Do the desire realm beings have that? Yes. Is this affliction? Yes, yes, yes. Be confident. This is affliction. So, this is neutral. Even the, the afflictions of the desire realm may not necessarily be, be negative or non-virtuous all the time. This basic ignorance or this, you know, the view perceiving the uh, perishable aggregates is also neutral. Number one. Number two, now ignorance. So accompanying this mind, accompanying this ignorance, uh, not ignorance, accompanying this wrong view, which views the self and others to be existing as uh, self-sufficient substantial nature, is the mental factor of ignorance. So the mental factor of ignorance, which accompanies this wrong view, is also, is also neutral. Right? Other than these two, all afflictive emotions of desire realm should necessarily be non-virtuous. You got me? Yeah. Yes. Very good question. Very good question. Very good. Anyone? Partially good. Partially good. Still, anyone? Say human birth. Human birth. Is it positive? Is it positive or negative? Samsaric human birth. <laughs> no, samsaric human birth. Samsaric healthy human birth. Good. But it's not pain. Is that result of positive or negative? Positive, right. It's positive. It's very precious. Precious human birth. You know? What precious human birth? While you are in samsara, right? So look, now look, what I mean to say is that the positive mental states given rise to by this ignorance, because these positive mental states, for example, the karma, they give rise to the you know, human birth in, e- in each one of us. You know, this, positive kar- this karma to give rise to the human birth for each of us, is that positive or negative? Positive. positive. Virtuous or not virtuous? Virtuous. Virtuous, right? 
and this virtuous karma to give rise to this human birth is rooted to the ignorance which misconceives the self to be self-sufficient substantial nature right? okay but look we are still in samsara you know no 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 don't say yeah <laughs> the result here the result here the human birth although it's a positive but still you know because we are having this human birth we are in samsara so it has two elements one within samsara is positive but still it is samsara it is to be abandoned you know Within samsara, say, you know, say, if you, um, if you, you know, if you are in a place, in a, in a desert, you know, and you are, you are thirsty, and you don't have such a beautiful cups, what you have is, uh, you know, very old, one out, just small can, you know. So you like to, you know, go to get water, you know, with this can or without a can. Even with this can is better, yeah. you know, with this can better. But, you know, for looking at from where we are now, would you use this, this cup or that horrible can? <laughs> this cup, you know. So in, in desert, in that area, oh, this is so good. But don't say this is good from, you know, every respect. So similarly, similarly, our human birth is good from the point of view of those people within samsara. But then overall speaking, considering, you know, the samsara, nirvana, full enlightenment, this is horrible. This is horrible. It is because of this body that we have the eye pains. We have the migraines. We have cancer. We have AIDS. All these problems because of this body. If we don't have this body, we can say bye-bye to headaches and all these things. You know? So, look, it's all because of this. So we see, what I mean to say here again, is that even these virtuous, the virtuous or the positive karma is of two kinds. Uncontaminated and the contaminated karmas. The positive karmas which are given rise to by this ignorance, and the view, mistaken view of the perishing aggregates is uncontaminated uh, commas. Right? Okay. Okay, now my next question. My next question. We said that the view, the mistaken view of perishing aggregates you know, this is a very technical word. To simply put, it simply means the mistaken mind which views the self as self or any other person as what? Self-sufficient, substantial nature. Is that positive, negative, or, uh, is that virtuous, non-virtuous or neutral? In the desire realm. In desire realm. Be confident. Good, look, when I say be confident, you say neutral. <laughs> because they are hesitant. So it's neutral, yeah. Now, my next question. What about the same mind? You know, the mistaken view, which views oneself as self-sufficient, substantial nature, that mind in the higher realms, positive, negative, oh, sorry, virtuous, non-virtuous, and neutral. 
Are you sure? Yeah. Why? Because all minds, all afflicted minds of higher realms should necessarily be neutral. Because they are freed, you know, while they are afflicted, they are freed of ill will and so forth. They are not tainted by ill will, ill will and malicious thoughts. Okay, good enough. Now, okay, extract from Illuminating the Clear Intention, Lama Sangopa's commentary in Ari Chandrakirti's entry into the middle way. We have two pages, and the first one is simply, you know, uh, the benefits of meditating, uh, of studying, reflecting, and meditating on the view of emptiness. And we, we are doing uh, the second one, the second page, rather than first. <clears throat> uh, so this is from Lama Tsongkhapa's comment, uh, commentary on Arya Chandrakirti's entry into the Middle Way. It reads, here I'm going to ex- explain in a concise and comprehensible way how to bring within us the insight into the illusion-like appearance of all phenomena. So in fact, you know, this is really very uh, comprehensive and also concise. Just one page and it really gives you the whole import of emptiness, right? I don't think anyone can really you know, come up with such a concise one-page concept of quantum mechanics, quantum theory, you know? But Lama Sangaba did it so well with emptiness. Okay, let's see. And today, what I'm, the, the review that I'm going to do is basically, you know, for, three or, for four of you, you know, but others, if you, you know, it would be, of course, the more you listen to, it would be clearer. But don't expect, you know, uh, me having the full understanding of this. I'm simply replaying, you know, the recordings that I did from my teachers. I'm simply playing that, you know, I have no understanding. And what I expect you to do is, you know, don't simply try to imitate what, I, what I'm doing. Try to really try to imbibe, try to digest what is said here into your understanding and make sure that you gain a true understanding of emptiness before I do. <clears throat> okay, so let's read. Objects of knowledge can be divided into functional and non-functional objects, you know. So, what we are to establish of emptiness is the emptiness nature, the ultimate reality of everything. Not simply just, just this cup or just me, you know. Particularly for someone who is following a, or following a Bodhisattva path, who is interested in benefiting others. Their learning, their understanding, their meditation must be so wide and extensive. You know, to be able to gain as much understanding as in-depth, as greatly in-depth understanding of emptiness as possible. So for that, uh, uh, you know, Lama Tsongkhapa is trying to draw all objects as the basis of analysis. So here he reads, objects of knowledge, meaning all existences, can be divided into functional and non-functional objects. Functional referring to those things, you know, those impermanent phenomena, and non-functional objects referring to those permanent phenomena. And the former, referring to the functional things, is of two kinds. Again, the functional things can be divided into two. 
forms and non-forms. Forms referring to what? Physical. <coughs> uh, the physical forms, such as the, the... So basically the forms, under this we can have, you know, broadly speaking, we can have the five sense objects. You know, what are they? Um, the, the, the tangible form, the sound, smell, uh, the taste, and tactile, yeah. <coughs> okay, so these four, uh, these seven, uh, these five form the forms, and then non-forms. Non-forms primarily, primarily the minds, the minds. Lama Tsongkhapa is going to deal with the minds in this section, the minds. Establishing emptiness nature, ultimate nature of the minds, forms and non-forms. Now first, refute, as explained in other texts, other texts text referring to Vasubandhu's 20 stanzas, which is cited down there, you know, the 20 stanzas, uh, it is of 20 stanzas, and the, the, the stanza that we require here in this context is what is cited down as a uh, footnote. Vasubandhu's 20 stanzas, the existence of directionally powerless particles in the case of forms and temporarily powerless moments in relation to minds. Okay, so what Lama Tsongkhapa is uh, teaching us here is that first we are to, you know, uh, take the, any physical form like a table or our body, you know, a form. So in the case of a body or in the case of physical form like table, what we are to do is first we try to break them into you know break them break them into, into parts break them into parts okay so then by breaking them into parts see if the table has parts right and then you divide that into further uh, say you divide break that into say the top flat pl uh, plank and the four legs and even the screws and then say Oh, these are the different parts of the table. Again, you take one part of the, the table, the top plank. Again, you divide that into further parts. And then you keep on, you know, dividing the parts into further and further and further parts. And then see if you can finally come to the subtlest of the part, which cannot be divided any further. You know, so just see if you can do that. So say, you know, if you think that there is something which is partless, finally which can be pointed, pointable as the partless particle, then this is a mistaken idea. Try to dissolve, even dissolve that, even get rid of this mistaken idea that there is any partless particle. Because, you know, how do we do that? We try to use the reason which is put there as, uh, you know, uh, footnote, Vasubandhu's 20 stanzas says, Because of being simultaneously surrounded by six other particles, the central subtle particle is found to have six parts. If these six parts have the same spatial dimension, a massive object will conflate into a size of a, just a minute particle. So use this logic to refute the existence of a, uh, the substance of particle known as particle particle. You know? Refute by using this logic. Okay, so how do we use about this logic? Say, imagine, you know, by breaking the table into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, then you finally get the smallest atom, you know, atom or the carbon, you know, the carbon atom. How many electrons are there? I've already forgotten. 
in carbon? Anyone? Sorry? Are you sure? Okay, say six. So, we, to make it more, like, even clearer, to make it on the safe side, better instead of saying carbon, say the subtlest particle which constituted this table is the atom which consists of six electrons and six protons and six neutrons. Right? Okay. So, then we take this small electron, one of these electrons, separate. And this electron, can it, is it partless? Can be divided any further? Say, if you think that this is partless, you know, this is partless, then use this reason of Vasubandhu's 20 stanzas, you know. So imagine this electron, you know, last time Alec was discussing, uh, you know, we were talking about the electron smasher, this, the cyclotron, you know, what is that? Large collider. Collider, yeah, yeah, large collider, yeah. Collider where you try to you know send these electrons individually you know with great speed. So say you just pick a one electron, electron, and say you have a feeling that oh this is the final, like the final particle, the subtlest, and without any parts which cannot be divided any further. So in that case, then we use this stanza of you know Vasubandhu's twenty stanzas. Uh, so. We already read this. Imagine, this is the subtlest, subtlest particle, partless particle. And then say, it is because of, you know, because of bringing together of such small particles, which you call as, which you think as the partless particle, millions of them, you bring them together and make this huge table. Right? So for that, we need to bring all these electrons together. You know, so of, of course, it is not as simple as what I'm saying. So electrons, you know, it's not just the electrons, they have the protons, neutrons, all these things. So say, at least, you know, in this particle, in this, uh, the atom, we were thinking of six electrons, right? So we simply pick this, um, okay, the one electron, and then try to imagine, try to, you know, uh, bring, brings us, try to create something which is simply made of electrons, you know, although this is not possible, because electrons are all negatively charged, and they will all, you know, repel, they all go one from one another. So say, you know, um, we remove the charge, <laughs> I don't know if you can do it. So anyway, imagine we remove the charge and then try to bring millions of such electrons. So, just out of these millions of electrons which are combined together, we pick up this central, you know, one in the middle. We pick that. And then, just mentally try to think of, you know, so that one is surrounded by six particles. One in the east, west, north, south, top, down. Six electrons surround this central electron, right? So, which means that this central electron, it has, you know, six different positions. So the one, one position which is facing towards the electron to the east, the other facing towards the electron to the west, and one north, south, top, down, which means there are four parts already, six parts already, you know? So whereas if you still insist that, they, oh no, there is no such parts, 
then you know the the portion it is a form the this electron the central electron it is a form so a portion which you know uh, which is towards the east and a portion which is towards the west should be exactly identical if you know if they are not if they uh, if there is no such different parts they should be identical which means that you know the one which is touching the electron at the uh, to the east it should be touching the electron at the west you know so this means that the east electron and the west electron these should these two should touch which means that there is no electron in in between right so again you bring the third electron again the middle one will be lost and then however many you try to bring together they will simply start conflating one and you know within each other simply conflate 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 and even if you bring millions and trillions of them they will never grow to any size so look because of being simultaneously uh, the footnote verse 1 this 20 stanzas says because of being simultaneously surrounded by six other particles referring to the central particle the central subtle particle is found to have six parts if these six parts have the same spatial dimension say oh they are just you know they, are, they actually they do, this particle doesn't have any six different parts you know then you have to say that you know the east side and the west side these two are same north and south these two are same top and down these two are same if they are the same if these are uh, six ha- uh, parts have the same special dimension a massive object will conflate into a size of just a minute particle you know so then you cannot really think of the whole universe the big universe sun moon uh, abbeys ravasti abbey and my cup they will all simply conflate into a small particle right so but this is not a case they are there which means you know that in order to reconcile these two ideas either you have to give up saying that oh the the, the massive world exists or you have to give up saying that uh, they exist a particle particle so of the two it is wiser to give up the second you know so that way you reject particle particle in the, in the case of the physical form now in the case of the mind you try to reject the partless temporal moments of mind say we cannot say that oh look his mind you know his mind at the east to the, to the west not we cannot say that so in the case of mind we cannot speak of directional paths but we do can speak about the what the temporal paths say the temporal you know temporal moments of the mind say oh today i really feel so relaxed and you know uh, at peace today which mind today you have a mind which existed for 24 hours the first hour mind second hour mind third hour mind you can divide the mind in this way so in terms of time you divide the mind in terms of time so this is what is known as the temporal you know segments moments of the time of the mind so again you divide that oh the mind of today can be divided into 24 parts first mind you know the mind of the first hour can further be divided into 30, 60 parts because it has 60 minutes the mind of the first minute second minute at the first the mind of the first minute can be further divided into 60 parts because the first minute has 60 seconds and you divide that into you know milli you know milliseconds 
So you divide, you know, you keep on dividing, you keep on dividing. And again the same thing. Do you think that you will come to a point where you can locate to a mind which exists as something without any parts, which, without any temporal parts, which cannot be divided any further? So if you ever think of, you know, again the similar thing, don't simply say, oh no, the text says no, so I have to say no. Don't follow like this. Simply be so honest to yourself. Because it is not the text who is understanding emptiness. <laughs> it is not the text who should be understanding emptiness. It is you who should be understanding the emptiness. So it should be you who should be convinced of what is said there in the text. You know? So if you say no, simply say no. Even if the text says yes, don't worry, but don't be stubborn. You know? Don't be obstinate. Then simply explore more as to why the text is saying yes while you are saying no. Right? Okay, so what you do is that again, in the, in the case of the mind, again think of dividing the mind further and further into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And finally imagine, you know, oh if you can go on forever like that, then it, will no, it makes no sense of a mind. You know, because we cannot really locate as something so concrete as a mind. It's always something, you know, something with different things. You know, so... Then imagine, oh, finally there should be a mind which, which cannot be divided any further. Very subtle, subtle mind. And this is what, it believe, what is believed by the lowest two schools, by Bhaskas and Sutrantikas. Yeah, these two believe in that. Okay, now imagine, apply the same reasoning. In fact, the same reasoning by Vasubandhu, you know, simply you try to extend this from the form, shift this from form to the non-form, to the mind. So this is done by, this is done by um, the great master, tantric master, dependent great master by the, the name Yuxin. Oh, it slipped from my mind. Jesu Shirov Singhi, the founder of uh, Yume Tantric, the Lover Tantric College. Uh, so he, you know, <coughs> he extended this reason of Vasubandhu's 20 stanzas um, to mind. And then, you know, he did it so well. Say, you know, you divide the mind and then finally you think of the, the subtlest moments of the mind which cannot be divided any further and which we call as the partless, temporarily partless moments of the mind. So, you know, imagine there are three, you know, imagine there are series of them series of them and then you know you pile one over the other and finally it becomes the mind of today 24 hours mind right okay so say it is made of millions of such small segments of you know temporarily powerless moments of mind so just imagine three three of them you know just take three of them for convenience sake think of the middle one think of the middle one if this is partless temporarily partless which means that you cannot think of the, the, the time of this mind B, A, B, C, right? A, B, C. The mind B, the mind B, you have to say that it has no two different parts, which means that it has no part in terms of beginning and part in terms of ending. Which means that it's, you know, if you speak about the time of beginning, it is the time of ending. Beginning and ending, these two are simultaneous. In that case, mind A, 
mind A touches mind B to the, the beginning of uh, mind B. And mind C touches mind B at the point of ending. You know, at the ending and the beginning of mind B, these two are simultaneous, then mind A should touch mind C. Which means mind B is lost in between. So similarly, if you come mind D, mind C will lost. And again, mind, you know, E, F, so however many minds, moments of minds. Okay, so uh, we do that. So uh, through this reasoning, then we see that, you know, if they ever exist, partless, temporarily partless moments of mind, then we cannot really conceive of today's mind, mind of 24 hours, you know, or mind of this life, and so forth. So without the mind, we cannot think of sentient beings, we cannot think of the Buddhas. You know, so then everything will make no sense. Again, it's your choice. Choose between the two. Either you give up the presence of yourself, or give up the presence of the temporarily partless moments of mind. You know, and then of course it is to give up the temporal, the existence of the temporal partless moments of mind. So we are successful to this point. Then what does it say? Let's read. Um, objects of knowledge, second para. Objects of knowledge can be divided into functional and non-functional objects. The form is of two kinds, forms and non-forms. Refute, as explained in other texts, Vajrabandhu's 20 stanzas, the existence of directionally partless particles in the case of forms and temporary partless part, uh, moments in relation to minds, thereby establish that all functional things necessitate having parts. Okay, we stop here.